Open the door and step inside to a world of practical magic, where we blend the mystical and mundane worlds of the everyday witch. Presented by Wise Woman Witchery and hosted by Emily Morrison and Veronica Wade-Lewis. Welcome to The Witch Next Door. I'm Emily, and this week we are getting to hang out with my very good friend and magical being, Erin Lefebvre of Full Circle Herbals. And we'll probably talk about all kinds of things because that's what we do when we get together. But we're also going to talk about her upcoming class at the Season of the Witch virtual conference, which is uh, creating your own magical herbal apothecary. Did I get that right? Yes, you got it. <laughs> I believe you did. Okay. I didn't have it right in front of me. I'm like, oops, my brain just went blank. You know how that happens. Yes. Create your magical herbal apothecary with me, Erin Lefave. <laughs> Ooh, what do you put in a magical herbal apothecary? Well, definitely want some herbs. You want <laughs> any kind of little containers you can find so you can make your potions and I'll be talking um, sharing about like what kind of herbs you might want to put in there how you choose them how you make them into potions and elixirs and any other fun term you want to use and also more importantly how to play with everything in a way that feels safe fun and magical so I love this. This feels like uh, the next level, almost like you're building on that class that you taught last year, which was the playing, was playing with potions. Playing, what it's called? Yeah, playing with potions, playing with herbal potions. It was so good though, because it really was such an invitation for people to play, to find that childlike wonder, you know, like when we're kids and we go out and we like make potions out of berries in the yard and swish it all up with the different plants and then it's magic uh this sounds like the next level of that yes it is and really that's all all like herbal potions can be we get pretty serious about herbs right because we we think we're going to be putting them in our bodies and we want to make sure they're safe and that we're not going to have a weird reaction and they're not going to interact with our prescriptions but there's also ways to use to have your own herbal apothecary without always ingesting things. And I'll definitely give ideas of herbs that you can ingest that are, you know, what I call safe, which is most people don't have a reaction to them. And if they do, it's mainly sneezing or something like that. I love it. It's what Aaron calls safe. Nobody else does, but Aaron calls them safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so many safe herbs out there. I know. I know. I'm teasing. Herb, herbal things get a bad rap here in the sure. United States anywhere you know there's all these disclaimers I even have to use the disclaimers legally as well as an herbalist I can't treat cure diagnose diagnose or prescribe but mm -hmm. um, so some people you know who want to have a magical practice really crave to get in communion and connection with plants but they're afraid to like literally touch them because they don't know which ones are poisonous and stuff so if we can make, um, you know, a little, an herbal apothecary, that's like a magical intent, that's one step to, I think that will really satisfy some people's need to want to have an herbal apothecary, but are afraid to have one. 
Well, and what I love about herbs and magic is that you can use them in so many different ways. You don't just have to make a tea or a tincture out of them. Um, you can make incense out of them. You can anoint, uh, like I just did a candle dressing spell yesterday. And so those herbs that went on the candle, they, although actually they were a tea blend, so I'm pretty sure they're safe to ingest, but they didn't have to be. It's really just about, you know, putting their energy into that candle. Um, but you can also make amulets and all kinds of things that aren't necessarily even going to touch your skin. Right. So, you know, feeling what you're called to is, is a really lovely way to think about working with herbs. This just set off a little trigger in my head of this book that I have that I cannot for the life of me remember the name of right now, of course, because I'm putting myself on the spot, but it's from the seventies and it's an herbal book from the seventies, like this herbalist, like kind of grimoire. And it has all these super poisonous plants in it. uh, It has not poisonous plants as well, but it has like little warnings next to some of the herbs that like may cause death, right. With a little skull. Um. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of those kinds of things in books and they're actually over cautious. Yeah lot of things so that confuses people and they're like okay well what do I trust and what do I believe and we don't want people to get too overwhelmed that they stop even experimenting with their herbs and their magical practice so this would totally. be a way to to get yourself back into it and have fun I'll you know I have lots of things I'll share about how to have fun with it so you don't get too mucked down in in the details and in trying to decipher exactly which thing is going to make the best potion or, you know, what's the one answer? What's the one thing that symbolizes this, that, and the other thing. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite way to use herbs magically, Erin? Oh, let's see. I guess mm, that's a good one right now. I think just a, the simple tea. Like a tea of it because there's I have a whole lesson about how to make herbal tea a magical practice and just the simple cup Mm -hmm. you know it's like a portal like a cauldron uh so that and I guess the second follow-up would just be growing them in my garden just the whole um ecosystem in the community out there that they have that's um another way and of course, my herbal apothecary, just collecting them. I just collect them like they're, I don't know, Barbies or something. <laughs> She's referencing the Barbies I just showed her that I bought. Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> no, they're they're magical beings in on the shelf in their beautiful containers. And, um, you know, one thing I just did recently that I am doing is a jar. I would say it's a jar spell. And um, I'm working on something in particular, and I will often stand in front of my apothecary and think, which one, you know, just try to resonate and communicate with the herbs on the shelf, which one is good to add to my blend for this particular intention. And so every so often I'll add, you know, another one to the jar and it's just dried herbs. And then I'll write down what I put in the jar and what that particular meaning is for me at the time 
And then every so often I'll go to the jar and I'll open it up and smell it. And it's just this like amazing aroma that really matches my intention. Nice. Simple. And that I love. Yeah. And what will I do with those um, herbs after that? I don't know. And that's okay. That's part of the spell. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've done similar spells with, um, mostly with fresh herbs or fresh plants, even knowing that it wasn't something I was going to ingest because it was, I was just called to certain things and they would go into the jar and go into the jar. Um, the problem with fresh stuff is that it does get moldy. So it does have an expiration date. And, uh, and I just ended up burying that. It was like, and the earth gets this back to compost and transform. That's my, my favorite way to release spells, actually, is just give them to the earth. Yes. I love that, too, because it incorporates le- the life cycle. Of yeah. The life cycle from, you know, the death is part of that cycle. It totally is. And it and that tra- that creates a transformation. You know, it's like every stage of the life cycle is another transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I just did, um, I had an elderberry altar put together because uh, I do these monthly plant lessons. And um, every Sunday before the full moon, I do a live lesson for um, the participants. And anyways, after that altar is done, I'll take anything that I pulled out of my jars or had harvested, and I'll actually go to the plant in my yard and give it back to it. So like almost like giving it n- nutrients or nourishment for. Yeah. And just honor, like I used you for this purpose. Mm-hmm. Now I'm giving you back because I didn't need to ingest you. And um, I could put it back in my jars, right. It, for the dried stuff. But at the same time, I feel like it's already been used. And if I yes. put it back in, I've like put in, I don't know, something I've already chewed and put it back in the refrigerator, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I need to and it's my also my it also kind of completes the cycle because usually when I do these lessons and make the um, plant altar I'm also out in the yard with those usually I have the plant growing in my yard and so I'm communing with them and doing an attunement with them at the beginning and then all throughout that lesson I'm doing that over and over in the yard and then when I'm done with it it's kind of like my way of saying thank you I'm done now I let's release this almost ceremony that we're doing Mm -hmm. and now I'm going to move on to the next plant Mm -hmm. that makes perfect sense to me I would also feel strange putting it back in the jar Um, but I love the idea of giving it back to the plant that it came from originally Um, or at least even if you don't have what you're using isn't from that exact plant. It's in the same yes. family, mm-hmm. the, the family of that plant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also think that there's so much interconnectedness underground with plants and science is definitely, yeah. you know, pro- proving it. I don't know. Uh, confirming it. There we go. Yes. Confirming it. Um, even though they think that plants maybe only, at first they thought plants of the same um species were only able to communicate underground through the root system and the mycorrhiza 
So oak trees and oak trees could only kind of, you know, communicate in their way, signal things to each other. But they also are finding that that's not necessarily true, that interspecies um, connections are happening too. So when I give something back into my garden or to any plant that maybe wasn't from that particular plant, I also like envision that it's like this signal is going on under the earth, like, oh, look, she brought this back. Tell so-and-so it's back in the earth or something like that. I mean, personifying the plants maybe isn't the best, but and it's more of a feeling. I'm trying to verbalize actually what that feels like, but just that the, yeah, the vibration continues when you put it back on the earth. Yeah, I totally agree. And I anthropomorphize everything. So um, I think giving them a personality and uh, a way of thinking and being is just fine in my book. <laughs> or not to do. I know, I know. Well, because you feel their energy, right? So then you, and, and our context as humans is having human traits of like thoughts, feelings, relationships. Um, so that's where my mind goes first and foremost, but this idea of communication, this is totally a tangent, but I just want to name it because it just made me think of this is the, also makes me think of permaculture and the way that, you know, we plant different plants together because they help each other grow. And it makes me very curious about what type of communication is happening between those plants in their root systems and even in their leaves and you know, other bits. Um, this is not necessarily like a place we have to go discuss. I'm just naming it because that's what popped in my mind when you were talking about the roots talking to each other. But I would say about that as briefly as I possibly can <laughs> <laughs> is even scientists are using words like, oh, they're telling each other and they're talking to each other. And part of me cringes a little bit because um when we keep that's kind of a barrier to understanding how nature is working things that don't you know have our nervous system and brain system we for a long time the scientific community um and other religions would say oh that's not possible for them to communicate but there's other ways to signal and give information to them to each other and I think when we kind of understand that there's a different kind of signaling, um, it's it's actually kind of electric. There's like electric vibrations going through these root systems. And um, I think that will expand our, as humans, it'll expand some of our understanding that the world is alive and rich with life. Um, and more respect to the earth will come when we understand that there is a communication system, even if it's not verbal. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it made totally made sense. And when you said that you hear that and it kind of makes you cringe, I think we are very limited by our language, mm -hmm. right? Well, we English only, language. Exactly. The English language. Yes. In the English language, we only have so many words for communicating, talking, speaking, you know, um, getting your point across whatever it might be. Uh, so we end up leaning into the use of those words, even when they're not necessarily the best descriptors of what's happening. Mm -hmm. But I totally agree with you that I think that the deeper understanding of these signals or, or energetic communications um, 
the more that comes into like group consciousness, the more respect we will have for the earth. And the more we'll also see how we are sharing those electric signals. Um, and those are being shared with us, that there is this level of communication happening that has nothing to do with our words um, or even intention. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You got <laughs> well done. <laughs> And I will try to, uh, that's part of Create Your Magical Herbal Apothecary too, is is um, that trust of what you're feeling, um, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. what we feel is part of plant communion. And I'll, you know, I'll describe more about what feeling I'm talking about, um, because as you probably talk about intuition, that that feeling is not necessarily a physical feeling it's just this other feeling that we get so that's part of having your own magical herbal apothecary and i am convinced <laughs> that um hundreds of years ago you know as our the other healers and and such out there they all had their own kind of there's there's core threads that run through symbolism but also every group of people around the world with the same plant was coming up with some of their own symbolism and uses of it for magical practice and it doesn't mean they're wrong uh-huh. like sometimes you think which one's right which one's right no none of them are right and none of them are wrong it's their that's their connection mm-hmm. I like that you said that I appreciate that you said that um because there isn't just one quote right way Mm-hmm. Of, of doing things I don't think um well as as I started out with herbalism I was really kind of obsessed with the right answer to the right ailment you know the ailment oh you're sick what's the right answer and this journey with herbalism has really opened my awareness that there are many options and solutions and that's so cool mm-hmm. at first it's kind of frustrating it's like well what do I do then what's right for me it's like I don't know. Give them a try. Here's the five things you can try. Which one do you like? (laughs) I think when we're first learning anything, there is sort of that mindset of there's the right way and the wrong way. Like I remember in graduate school when, when I was learning to be a therapist and, uh, you know, I, I say it like that because my learning definitely did not really truly begin until I sat in the room with people. But in the classroom, um, we were learning law and ethics and my law and ethics teacher kept saying, we'd bring up a thing and he'd be like, well, the answer is it depends. And that like became the running joke of the class is it depends. But I think that really applies in so many ways around, you know, the choices that you make or the, the way you feel into something depends on so many other factors besides just this black and white sort of wrong or right place now of course you know there are certain things that 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 more black and white um yeah thinking apply to but Please drive on the right side of the road yes. in the united states <laughs> if there are other cars on the road please stay in the right side of the road. yeah right um so yes, I mean, there are rules we follow and whatnot to to stay safe and and that type of thing. But when we're learning something new, I think sometimes that that feeling of needing to do it right or or the desire to do it right can really limit our ability to tap in more deeply to what we're experiencing and discovering. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like your conferences because they bring in so many perspectives, yeah, and um, worldviews and world senses. 
mm-hmm. that um, you get to, I, the participants, I think, will walk away with some really awarenesses like, oh, they do that too. Or, oh, that's a new way. I never mm-hmm. think of that one. That's actually why I love my conferences too, because I get to learn a lot of stuff uh, from people, you know, that I get to bring them in and be like, tell me the things that you know. And then they share the things they know. And I'm like, whoo, mind blown, mind expansion. Ooh, now I'm interested in this and I'm interested in that. And um, I just think it's really so enriching to be able to look at, at witchcraft. I'm talking about specifically, cause that's what we're talking about. But even, I mean, that expands even further, but to look at anything from multiple perspectives and different traditions, it's just so humbling. Um, yeah. And mind blowing. As soon as I think I've heard all of the types of nature centered spirituality and witchcraft and all these things, um, spiritualities out there, then here comes along somebody else's experience and perspective. And when I look, I just looked at the lineup for your conference, maybe last week, right? You and I meet and you tell me you have this conference and you tell me the people who are coming. But when I really looked at the lineup and their titles and what they're coming for, I was like, this is really diverse. And um, some of the things I have never heard about, and I'm really excited to to learn from those people. Do you have some people from other countries coming? Um, I have, well, so I have somebody from Canada and somebody from the UK. Yeah. And those might be the only other countries. Yeah. Awesome. I'm pulling that off the top of my head. So um, <clears throat> there are 12 other people besides, well, there's there's 11 other people besides you and me, um, but there are spread out and they, most of them come from different traditional backgrounds. Yes. So yes, that is pretty cool. That is awesome. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> when is it tell us what the dates are oh oh uh <laughs> october 6th and 7th uh are the full days and then i'm te- i'm doing like a pre-conference workshop ritual on the 5th in the evening about the rewilding party? yourself <gasps> the pre-party no. No, yeah pre-party. the pre-party ritual yes. rewild <laughs> yourself nice i know right you know that i'm a fan of rewilding that mm-hmm hmm well then you better show up if you can stay up that late <laughs> <laughs> it's a coffee day <laughs> well yep. i'm gonna turn around the interview onto you right now oh what yeah because i'm gonna put this on my podcast too right <laughs> <laughs> yes no. we, we're sharing this podcast. yeah go ahead ask me anything aaron i'm ready um the question is well you posed this actually for the podcast topic was community and the importance of community I want to hear can you tell us just anywhere I'm not even going to direct you in general what do you think of creating community I mean your conference does that for sure well I I mean and this is interesting because you and I were just talking before we got on here about and I was saying how everything I do is relational Um, you know, I, that's, that's the nourishment for me. And that's where the juice comes in is building relationships and creating connections. And that's, I'm sure why part of why I was drawn to being a therapist. It's, um, it's why I like being a part of wise woman witchery. It's really part of why I created it was to invite people in to be together, because I think when we come together, there is 
like we were just talking about this way that we get to learn things from other perspectives, but there's also a way we get to see that we're not alone in our own perspective. And if we're going to talk specifically about witchcraft and witchery, I do think that there are many people out there and I hear from them, many people out there who are practicing solo and don't have a community to share their experience and their spiritual beliefs with, um, or their practices with. And so for me coming together in community is really that opportunity to be seen. Um, even as a participant in a conference, if you're like on the, <laughs> if you're one of the people who are like watching on zoom and maybe you don't talk a lot or you're shy and you don't want to ask a question, um, just being present with other people who might ask the question you wanted to ask or are speaking to something that really speaks to your soul. It, it helps you feel more confident and comfortable in who you are and probably inspires your practice on some level as well. So that's really why community is super important to me within the realm of witchery. And then just as a human, I think we are not meant to live in a vacuum. Uh, we are not meant to function in a vacuum. Whenever I teach trainings uh, to other therapists, I talk about that. Like, this is not a job you do in a vacuum. This is not sitting down and, and just being this one-on-one -on -one with someone. You're going to need support and help because anything interpersonal requires that. And, um, and I just think that's, that's a truth for life. We need, we need people. We need not to be alone. Um, we're not, we're not designed to be alone all the time, even if we need to be alone to recharge our batteries. So, yeah. Yes. Did that answer your question, Erin? It did answer my question. <laughs> it answers my question too, uh, about like, okay, why can't I just learn this stuff from a book or, um, yeah a podcast, uh, an e-course. Yeah. All those things are great. And you and I have done, you know, all those things and more, but there's also a part that has to, um, turn three-dimensional, <laughs> a part that needs to see that this is like huge, what it really looks like in real life, because, you know, books, e-courses, podcasts, they're, I mean, right now we're fairly, uh, we're unscripted, right? This is mm -hmm. this real life for us, but there's still a level of editedness that feels like it's in every, uh, all those types of things. And then when you get with people and say, okay, well, how do you actually use this in your mm -hmm. life? I think like nine times out of 10, most people will be like, well, you know, I've done like 1% of this thing. Like I read this book and I've maybe done 1% and I feel like kind of like I'm not doing enough. And really like 1% is amazing. If you just take a little <laughs> bit each lesson that you learned of, you know, whatever class or workshop, and then put that into our life, because our life is like a lot of make food, sleep, uh, mm -hmm. make money, you mm -hmm. know, and to put magical practice into that is unfortunately can be a little bit difficult in this westernized society. Um, but how we do that every day um, is enough at any level. And we just need to share that with each other um, on actually what that looks like. So that's why like, yeah, community getting together and listening to others and learning from others in any way we can, whether it be online or in person is, is helpful. I, yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. Uh, there's two pieces that came up while you were just talking that I want to just speak to. And one of them is the fact that as humans, uh, we learn about who we are in the world by the way we're mirrored back. 
So when we're infants and we're, and you know, that thing when you're holding a baby and you're like making faces at them and then they start to make those faces back and you have this, you know, this relationship that's really built on mirroring. Um, But that's how children find out about who they are is when somebody goes, oh, good job, or look at you walking all strong or, you know, whatever it might be. They're like, oh, I am, I'm doing this thing. And it becomes part of our confidence, our uh, self-awareness and ultimately our identity. And I think that really, I don't think we give enough credit to the impact relationships have on our identity, even as we're older. And so within the realm of your spiritual practice, when you have other people that you're getting to share that with, it does strengthen some of that identity around your witchcraft um, or your magic or, you know, however you want to identify in this, in this sort of witchery realm, which is the title I use to sort of umbrella all the things, all things magical. Um, So I think that mirroring is really important and you can find that within community. And then also just going back to what we were talking about a little bit ago about plants and about the idea of communication and energetic communication that happens interpersonally too. Even here as you know, Aaron and I are really good friends. Like, I feel like Aaron, you're one of my soul friends. Like I freaking love you so much. And I almost cry saying that because it's, I feel like we have such a good bond and we talk all the time and we're super connected. We have never met in real life. We touch base throughout the week. You know, we send each other videos. We talk on the phone, whatever it might be. But we, I just want to name that because you can have a relationship across the ethers that your energy transmutes through that space and time. And as humans, again, we have this energetic connection, energetic communication that's happening all the time that we may or may not be even aware of. Um, the, you know, those of us that might practice more things like meditation and self-awareness and, you know, woo, we're all out here doing those things. When you're doing them, you become more aware of the way your energetic boundaries exist, the way your energetic communication exists. Um, but most people don't. And so when we come into community, we are sharing that energetic space as well. And it is informing our work, um, our relationship with the things that we're learning. And then also in the long run, part of our identity. That's my bias. I'm going to step off my soapbox now because I just got really passionate really fast. (laughs) Love it. Good. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, making those connections and relationships with people of like mind as we say is really helpful even if that person like you said we have never met in person we've come close a few times but <laughs> we have never met in person yet we were in the same state one time yes <laughs> it was pretty close it was pretty close um what was i going to say about that but just like having a having a connection with somebody who you can at least talk about have uh talk about a, a topic that's important to you sometimes there's like topics that are important to you that your family that you, people you live with your family mm-hmm. your friends don't they're not really interested in and rather than just thinking like you're weird and an anomaly um there are other people out there who could talk and relate to that um so that's why you know some connections aren't nece- relationships aren't necessarily meant to be like you hang out all day long and you share um a house together or that you're best friends and you meet every weekend. Like some of them are 
uh, some of important connections people have are really can be based on certain topics and certain religion, um, you know, having different levels of um, things that you relate to with each other. So that's why things like these conferences can help people that aren't in a community or around people who want to talk about it, like to talk about it, or even think it's morally acceptable. Well, that's it too, because some people really live in communities where, you know, like there's parts of, of the U.S. often referred to as the Bible Belt, where talking about your spiritual practice or belief system uh, when you are under the umbrella of witchery is like just, there's just nobody to talk to. Or if there are people to talk to, they're in hiding too, because it's just not socially acceptable within that particular area's culture. Um, so this is just a, it's a bridge. Mm-hmm. It's a bridge to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know in those communities too, people do have their connections. It's probably the best it's ever been in human history right now um, in terms of acceptance, but there's still a lot of work to be done and connections to be made. So people can see it's just like, I just want to play with plants and I feel good sensation. I feel sensations and, um, you know, interesting connections with them and I want to I want to talk to somebody else about it I want to know what to do about it so it doesn't just sit there in my I don't forget about it in my psyche because when you have an interest in something and you don't practice it or even give it attention it just kind of withers away and it's sort of there it sort of kind of gnaws at you a little bit and um yeah that's not good no no, or it becomes this one of those dreams that you put on the back shelf and you're like, oh yeah, I was going to learn about that, but you know, or you devalue it. Devalue, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think uh, if if you want to learn some stuff about some herbs, Erin is your gal and uh, <laughs> and you have the opportunity at the season of the witch conference, but I know you have some other opportunities too that are out there, Erin. What, what are you offering? You're offering your monthly pla- cla- plant classes. Yeah, at the monthly, it's called Grow Your Apothecary Monthly Plant Lessons. So they are um, taught live, but if you can't come to them, you you get the replay link too. And um, I also have one just called Grow Your Apothecary Plant Lessons, and it's seven recorded plant lessons video and handout for those that just um, don't want to commit to a monthly um, like membership and they just want a one-time offer and mm-hmm. learn the seven plants all those uh, bits of information are on my full circle herbals website awesome I will put that in the show notes your your website in the show notes and I know people can also find you on social media yeah yeah Facebook full circle herbals Instagram I think I'm actually under Aaron Lefave, but if you search full circle herbals you'll be able to find me there as well nice well I'm really glad we got to have this chat today oh and since people are going to be listening to this on my podcast where do they get information about season of the witch oh so uh to do that probably your best bet would go to be to go to wisewomanwitchery.com that's my website uh and click on the conferences tab and that has a link to take you right over to uh the the page that has all the information on it 
Um, so you can go there. You can also find me on Facebook at Wise Woman Witchery. And there is a lot of information popping up over there right now about the conference as well. And on Instagram at Wise Woman Witchery. So you can find me at all those places and then you can come hang out with us. And it's going to be so fun. So I really hope you do. <laughs> <laughs> the best commercial. The best. We are. We are the best commercial. <laughs> because we're passionate about it. That's that's the ticket. So hopefully that shines through. I know it. I know it does whenever I talk to you about plants. That's for sure. As well as you about witchery things. Witchery things. And community, of course. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. I appreciate you. And uh, until next time, keep it magical. Hey there, friends. Emily here from Wise Woman Witchery. If you like what you hear on The Witch Next Door, I invite you to support us. You can do that by rating, reviewing, liking, following, uh, what else? <laughs> Whatever else it is that you do on the platform you like to listen to podcasts on. By doing these things, it actually helps other people find us. And in that way, helps us spread the magic. So I appreciate you taking the time to do that. And thanks for being a listener. Thank you for joining us on The Witch Next Door. Join us next week as we explore more ways to make every day more magical. Can't wait? Visit wisewomanwitchery.com or follow Wise Woman Witchery on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all current offerings and be a part of the tribe. All episodes are created by Emily Morrison and Veronica Wade Lewis. Music written and performed by Jean Cornelius.